0: Our guest today is Mike Rosso. He is the assistant gymnastics coach for the women's gymnastics team at Rutgers University. So a local New Jersey guy who has worked his way through the ranks and is now back at his alma mater coaching gymnastics. I met Mike uh, about six or seven years ago when I first started in my career, and he was actually a student manager at Rutgers at that time. We talked through that journey and that story and also this is a great podcast if you have a child or you're interested in gymnastics. For me, before I was introduced to women's gymnastics, I only knew about the Olympics. We talk through, you know, the history of gymnastics, the sport, what are some of the downfalls of all your training and, you know, what it takes to succeed at the highest level. It's just a very interesting story and podcast because again, most of our context with gymnastics is really what we see on tv every four years during the olympics but there's so much more that goes into it there's local gyms there's the right coaches there's college gymnastics and it's just a a great podcast that will give you some more information especially if you have you know young children or a young daughter who might be interested in the sport so i hope you enjoy This is the Stay Healthy New Jersey podcast aimed at helping you live an active and healthy life in and around Somerset and Union County, New Jersey. This podcast is brought to you by Strive to Move located in Warren and Berkeley Heights. Strive to Move helps active adults in New Jersey get back to doing what they love pain-free. Mike, how are you today?
1: I'm good, Justin. How are you?
0: I'm great. Thank you for coming on.
1: Of course. Thanks for having me. Absolutely.
0: It. We um. So I guess for the audience, for some context, you and I met probably five, six years ago now. You were still a student at Rutgers. Right. You were a student manager right, yep. for the gymna- women's gymnastics team. And then making a long story short, you ended up coaching at Temple with... Umi, who was the assistant coach, and now coming full circle, you're back at Rutgers as an assistant coach for the women's gymnastics team, so come full circle.
1: Yeah, it really has. I mean, I remember meeting you for the first time, being being in the gym for those hours, and being where I am now, I would have no expectation of making that full circle, and to be honest, I couldn't be happier with it.
0: I remember you being there, and, like, you were about to graduate, and I remember talking to you, you really didn't know what you know what the next step was, because especially – You know, college gymnastics, which we'll get into, but especially, you know, men's even more so, but women's college gymnastics, there's not a ton of teams out there. There's not a ton of opportunity where like baseball, basketball, football, there's almost every school has those sports, Right. division one, two, and three. So if you want to get into it, like if you want to work, you can get into it. Gymnastics, not so much.
1: Right. Yeah. Just like you said, for a lot of sports, there's hundreds of division one options, more division two, more division three with gymnastics especially with men and women's women's there's I might not get this right 82 programs that have gymnastics across all divisions men it's like 13 or 14 across all divisions right. so your opportunities to get into college coaching are extremely limited to begin with
0: and and for you working there and developing that relationship with Umi when she got her opportunity to become a head coach at Temple you know it, she trusted you enough to, to bring you on as her assistant coach there, which was great.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, who would have known that during my time at Rutgers that I was on a job interview? Like when I was there, I did not look at it at all that way, but retrospectively it was. And I'm glad that I had that impression on Umi for her to bring me along with her. Like without her, I don't, I don't know what I'd be doing right now, but I love where I'm, where I'm at.
0: Yeah, and to your point of and not even the topic of the podcast, but I think it's worth saying, you never know what opportunity will come up and what your opportunity will be. So there for me, even being in practice locally to where I grew up, there's there's people like patients that I've gotten a relationship that i built because they knew me when I was in high school and right. they knew like I was a decent person. Then now they trust me in a different light. And so those relationships that you had as a college student, everyone's like, Oh, you're in college, but you know, people don't really change. And so, you know, you got a career opportunity.
1: Yeah. Because that's that. something I preach all the time to our team. I mean, look at me. I am the example. And I also
0: am- look at Tasia too, right? Tasia was a gymnast when we were there and now, Umi brought her along. She was um, on getting a master's degree, right?
1: Yep. Teja was on the team at Rutgers when Umi was an assistant and I was the student manager. Then all three of us went to Temple. We were there for three years, and now we're all back at Rutgers. So, I mean, you just never know who's looking, who's watching, who's around. I mean, you always you always want to be
0: giving, putting your best foot forward in the sense of giving a good impression because, you know, unfortunately – or not, we don't forget, like, the 13-year-old kid that was a jerk, when, even when he's 30, and he might be a completely different person. But we still think, we all think about the kids like, oh, that kid was an asshole when he was 12, and it's like, the, he's 40, he might might be the same person. But we all remember that stuff, and so it matters. You know? Right,
1: so I guess it's just how do you want to be remembered because everyone's going to remember something.
0: Yeah. And and the opportunity never, like you said, you never know when another opportunity will present itself. Like, like you said, who would have thought? This many years later, you would actually be back at Rutgers now on staff from where you were a student on the gymnastics team where you were volunteering your time. right And so, and another lesson too is like people volunteer their time, and it's like, oh, is that worth it? Maybe you could have you could have gotten a job making whatever amount of money, a couple of dollars an hour and gotten paid for it, but you chose to volunteer and look what it did for you. So it paid itself in in dividends many times over. Right, Um, so another another
1: cool lesson never take advantage of being the bottom man.
0: That's right. Yeah I mean, it's uh, a it's a good lesson. I know we weren't starting there, but it is a good lesson for people people listening to the podcast. So um, I want to get into a lot, but I I guess my experience the first I think like most people my experience in gymnastics before Working at rutgers was only what I saw on tv in the olympics, right and
1: that's what most people say.
0: Yeah. And, and, and going into the collegiate setting, just for context, so Rutgers, you guys are building the program back. However, in context, outside of the Olympics, Rutgers is in the Big Ten Conference, which the first or second best co- divi- college conference in the country. So again, outside of the Olympians, you're at the highest level of gymnastics in the country right. right now. And so... Looking at that and only seeing the Olympics There's a lot of things in college that are different a lot of factors that you have to deal with And I think the first thing that I want to get into which I think will be interesting to the audience is we just talk about age And if we go back and think of our olympians, which we all know the names nastia lucan We talked about it before uh, lori hernandez. These girls are in the olympics 15 16 17 years old and if you think about our college girls, they're not starting college until they're 18 and that's the most unique thing I think in college gymnastics. Like you know, I played baseball. We both love football. We hope when a kid gets to college as a football player and he's an offensive lineman, he weighs two hundred and fifty pounds. That you look at him and say he can grow by twenty threes and become a man. Hopefully, he's 290, 300 pounds, and then he's going to peak and be his best, be his the best player he can be. Where. In your setting if you think about it they they're peaking at 14 15 16 and you're getting them 18 19 20 21 right so talk about that where it's almost the opposite
1: yeah I mean in that sense our sport is definitely the outlier like by, by the time they get they get to us they've already peaked and for a lot of them they've already have most of the skills that they're already going to be competing um, they're not really per se learning so much anymore. They're more honing in, perfecting, and making sure that they could get those quality repetitions in.
0: And what do you think about the amount that they are practicing? You know, one of the things that happens in gymnastics is if they're not gaining new skill at that point, what separates a team that's a top twenty-five team and a and a fifty through seventy-five? A lot of times, it's, they can just stay healthy so that they actually can compete. So, how do you guys start to look at that to manage the amount of of reps they're getting?
1: Right. So that's something that when we went to Temple, we discussed as a staff together how we were going to structure our practice. Because, I mean, Umi's first time head coach are me and Teja's first time assistant coaching. So we had the opportunity to kind of set our playbook for the team. So one thing that I think we do is, to be honest, we're allowed to practice 20 hours a week. That's what the NCAA allows us. We don't practice anywhere near that. Uh, We practice, let me think. At the least, we could practice gym- gymnastics twelve hours a week, mm-hmm. and that's that's all we do. And during competition season, it's even less. And, and could-
0: so, for context, not, um, I don't mean to cut you off, but I know some girls that compete club gymnastics before college. You know, they're doing four or five five days a week, at least four hours a day. Right. And so that's a drastic shift down downwards in amount of gymnastics so how do you guys weigh the amount of reps they need quote unquote to build the skill versus trying to keep them healthy at that point
1: right I think our coach our jobs as college coaches are completely different than jobs as a club coach I think when you're when you are a club coach that's the time to be getting in those numbers maybe you're in the gym for an extra hour because you're focusing more on body shaping and conditioning and flexibility by that time you get to college a lot of that stuff is already drained into you. So we don't need to work all of that extra stuff all the time. We just need to make sure that you're getting your reps in and that you're staying healthy. One of the big things we do is we try not to practice three days in a row. We'll only do two days in a row. That way they have that day in between to get their recovery in. Right. That way they're ready to go for the next day that we have practice.
0: So as, I, as you're talking, you know, I was a baseball player and we always talk about pitch count. And so it sounds very similar. Like, Without any context, how do you become a better pitcher? You throw more, but we're at a point where we know that that's not exactly the best thing to do right. anymore. I think that in gymnastics, that wasn't always the thought process. It was about just more and more and more.
1: Yeah, I mean, I remember growing up, obviously, male gymnastics is a completely different world than women, women's gymnastics, but it's all reps, and you just go until your coach says stop, and you don't really question that. I think that's a lot of the old philosophy that I was in, and then there's the new philosophy that's coming in where we're seeing some studies coming out, we're seeing some research, we're understanding how the human body works a little bit better nowadays, and we're learning that we can't just beat the body into the ground. It needs time to recover. It needs time to deload in order to be ready for the competition season. How does
0: um, how did the girls handle it mentally Do they like it or for them, is it like nerve wracking there because they're coming from a world where they're practicing so much? And it would be like for me again, going back to the baseball analogy, if I'm used to taking, you know, 50 swings a game before the first pitch and now you're only allowing me to take 10. Well, even if it's even if physically it doesn't matter mentally, I'd be like, all
1: right, I'm not ready. Do you have to battle that at all? I think if we do, it's very minimal in the beginning when freshmen got on campus. I think once they get into the swing of things, by like end of October, beginning of November, we start mandatory practice in September. I think they're on board with it. I mean, we have juniors and seniors that even with those four days, those 12 hours, we're still limiting back because their bodies can't handle it and they're key contributors. So we're going to do what we need to do to keep our key contributors healthy.
0: Um, I remember being at Rutgers and the thing that, I would just i would get so annoyed with was if specifically in the weight room it'd be like girls would get hurt in the weight room and i was like guys do you understand the point of the weight room it's like to get yourself better for i would rather you take a nap than get hurt in the gym like there's no point in this and so i think that we get into a mode of we're on a team and we feel like we need to we do we need to work hard and do need to you know progress but there's an amount where whether you're practicing or you're in the gym and it's you're getting to a point where that's hurting you and you can't get to the meat healthy, what's the point?
1: Right, yeah. I mean, we're doing a podcast, you can only listen. But if you could see, I was g- agreeing very very much so with what Justin just said. I mean, the weight room is a tool. It's not. We're not there to win the weight room. We're not there to be the strongest pound-for-pound athletes that we can be. It's there to make us stronger, to help us with tools to make us last season all those types of things but i mean we had i don't like talking bad about anything i don't even know if it's going to be in there or not <laughs> but we had a girl at tempo. she got hurt in the weight room right and she dislocated her shoulder right in the weight room doing i don't like power cleans probably yeah and we had to she was one of our key con- contributors that year and we right. had to manage her really, right. really really closely that year yeah and it, and it affected our, our outcome of our team
0: and you know, I mean, obviously accidents happen, something you can't avoid, but there's always there's always context right. to that. Um, we kind of just breezed through it, but being in that world for a while, understanding, you know, when you play football, basketball, baseball, like everyone, you know, people just lift weights. It's part of the deal for the most part. Gymnastics, not so much. So where do you guys fall now with weight room? I, I, I have to imagine almost none of the girls that you bring in, like, again, most high school football players work out and lift weights. How many of your girls that come to you have had experience in the, in the weight room before they've
1: arrived at rockers. So we have a team of 20 student athletes right now. I would say maybe one or two. What do you think about that though? I mean, obviously
0: at the club level, it's either they either don't believe in it, don't know how to do it. Or, you know, again, it's the, I think we both talked about gymnastics being a very dogmatic sport. Is it, do they not believe in it or they just, no one, it's like one of those things where no one does it. So we don't do it.
1: I think it could be a little bit of no one does it. So we, we don't do it. I think a lot of what goes on in the club world has kind of been around for a long time. Yeah. Um, I think also part of it is just like we talked about a little while ago, they are doing a lot more hours in club. So maybe it's not so beneficial for them to spend four hours of gymnastics per hour practice plus 45 minutes to an hour of strength conditioning work for them maybe they need that time off to recover right we use it i mean we can use our strength conditioning time as a source of recovery for them right i Uh, think a lot of and also in the club world it's hard for them to get access to quality strength conditioning coaches
0: i mean i think that's that goes for pretty much even at the college level sometimes it's hard to get quality strength and conditioning but obviously yeah to your point at the club level in any sport Um, you know, we see people all the time that come into our office that work with trainers and, and it doesn't always look so good, you know, it doesn't, they don't always have the best technique. So yeah, it is, it is a whole other skill. It would be, you know, people think it would, people going to the weight room without a skilled coach would be like going to gymnastics without a skilled coach. Like you, you just wouldn't do it.
1: I mean, I've gotten into a little bit of learning some of the basics of, like, some of the things that you would be doing in the weight room, and if you were going to give me two options of a student-athlete who has never touched a weight before or a student-athlete who has touched a weight before but has been drilled bad technique into their their brain, give me the one that's never lifted before. Yeah, you could teach
0: them better skills right. And without bad habits that have formed.
1: Right. Um,
0: you know, one of the – I guess the more touchy subjects, but we're going to get into it, is, you know, I think one of the things – as these girls come to college, 18, 19, 20 years old, um, bodies change, you know, it's inevitable, like it's part of the deal. And I think, you know, when these girls are 14, 15, when anyone's 14, 15, they look a certain way. And when they get to college, 18, 19, 20, 21, things change. Now, gymnastics is a body sport. I mean, we just recorded something with a runner who said every time you take a step during like a run, it's 12 times increase of your body weight on every single step. Wow. So now let's think about that. And now we talk about doing uh, flips and turns and, and landing, and, and we take that plus gravity Plus in a body that has changed recently, like it's almost crazy to think that they wouldn't get injured.
1: Right. I mean, and little tangent here, just with some of the stats you just said, it's part of the reason why we never ever have our student athletes run just because they're getting that pounding in gymnastics. Why are we going to put more on their body right. when the name of the game is staying healthy? It doesn't seem like a smart move to any of us.
0: Right. So how do you guys in your setting,
1: um,
0: you know, again, to think about it in a relative term, if these girls are getting – putting body weight on as a natural part of getting older and then you're in a body weight sport, what's interesting is they could actually be stronger in college than they were at 14. But relative to the weight they're lifting now, they can't – act. Some might, they might lose skills. 100%. Well, yeah. What's the thing um, where – they uh straddle is a straddle plant where they go from straddle on the floor and they get up into a handstand.
1: Yeah, that would be more of like a like a drill. But what's but, that called? Um oh, you don't even know I guess you could really just call it like a straddle roll to handstand.
0: And so the girls, just to give the audience context, are literally sitting in a split on the ground. They put their hands straight in front of them, and eventually they end up from a split position using their upper body to get in a handstand completely, basically upside down. And I remember being at Rutgers where a lot of the girls were almost joking, and they're like, oh, yeah, I remember when I used to be able to do this. And it was like –
1: and that's crazy to me. Or they would say they used to be able to do 15 in a row.
0: Right. Yeah, and it's not that they're, they're stronger now than they used to be. Like if we went in the weight room and with barbells, they can lift more weight than they used to. But compared to the amount of body – relative to the body weight they now have, they can't, which is just fascinating to think about.
1: Right, and I think that has a lot on our minds when we're recruiting. Unfortunately, we have to picture how is a student-athlete how is their body gonna hold up when they come to us when after we sign them? How do they come to us when they're seniors?
0: I think that, but that totally because again, using a football example, if you look at a kid that's 230 pounds but he's six foot five, and his dad is six foot five, and his mom is five foot nine, and you want to be an offensive tackle, you can look at him and say, "How's he gonna look when he's a senior?" So it's no different. Right. You know, it's no different. It's the same thing, just in a different, a different setting. Right. Um, yeah. And probably, you know again it's a little bit of a of a touchy subject but it's the same it's the same conversation like you know we always want to meet the parents in any sport because we want to know like what what they're going to look like hopefully in three four years the bloodlines are yeah i mean it, it, we and we always say you can't pick your parents right so that kind of is what it is genetics is a is a real thing which we talk about and here all the time people don't want to to look at that but there are certain people that are just more prone to injury that, that has nothing to do with anything that you know they in our setting they objectively move well they're strong they take care of their body and they just can't stay healthy and so you know there is a genetic component to to some of that stuff which even if you do your best job recruiting you you can't uh you, you can't figure out Yeah
1: genetics has a huge role in all ath- athletics even in my belief even in like your mindset like one of the big things with gymnastics is fear I think fear is something you don't really learn. It's like something you're born with. So if you're afraid of certain skills in gymnastics versus a student athlete has no fear, which one do you think is going to be more productive? The one that's not afraid and is willing to take some risks.
0: I remember, uh, watching and it was is hard to watch i remember specifically one girl when we were at ruckers who was doing a beam series and she just like it was the equivalent of getting like the yips in golf where she just couldn't complete her swing she just wouldn't start her series and it was horrible to watch but to talk about the mental component i mean i don't think you don't coach beam um correct but i don't know if there's anything more nerve-wracking in sports than having to watch a two-minute beam routine i mean that is like as a as a spectator it's like oh my god
1: yeah i mean usually when we're at a competition um umi and myself are usually standing off to the sides we have our little pattern that we do (laughs) we stand off to the side we're next to each other and we're kind of separated from our from everybody else one umi is kind of judging the routine and then two we're keeping ourselves away from the team, so they have their focal point, and then we have our own focal I, point.
0: I remember the first time I saw it when we were both at Rutgers, and and Lou uh, Levine was the head coach. And the first meet during Beam, I'm like looking around. I'm like, where is Lou? Like he's the head coach of this team. Like what is going on right now? And I turn around, and he's like on the other side. I'm like, what are you doing over there? Yeah. He's like, I can't, I can't watch yeah. this.
1: and the thing with Beam is just literally at any point you can. Beyond on the beam in one second the next second you could be off the beam just yeah. like one misstep one mistake you're off and that's kind of not the same risk ratio as some of the other events in contrast
0: you coach vault and that's the best event because it takes about three, <laughs> three seconds to from from start of the run until completion so it's very painless even yeah if, even if it doesn't go well it's still quite painless because it happens sometimes. it's
1: pretty painless and usually it's pretty high hit percentage so we kind of before the routine even happens, we have an idea of what's going to happen. Yeah.
0: So that's, that's a, that's a good, that's a good one to to be the coach of for sure.
1: Um, so
0: let's kind of transition a little bit. And, you know, we have people in the audience who may have kids that are youth gymnasts. And, and I think, you know, for most parents out there who didn't do gymnastics, even if they did, like when you go to and join a gym or in any sport, you know, you're just kind of trusting that the coaches know what's going on right now from your perspective now as you're kind of in a position where you recruit at these different gyms if if you if I had a kid or that was five six years old what were the what are some things that you would want a parent to look for in the gym that they might be sending their kid to
1: I think right off the bat one of the top things would probably be be communication do you have good communication with your daughter or son's coach If there are some coaches out there that don't let parents come into practice, that don't take questions from parents, those are the types of coaches that you'd want to steer away from. If you have any concerns at all, your coach should be willing to have an open conversation with you and just discuss what's going on. It doesn't mean that they're going to change their philosophy or change what's going on in the gym, but at least you know their thought process and you can relay what your thought process is as well.
0: If you had a daughter who who wanted to do gymnastics, what... What type of like? What type of practice time? How many days a week? You know, she's five, six, seven years old, and then she's pretty good. What would you be looking for in a gym?
1: Okay, so I have to ask you. It's hard for you as a parent to say what are your goals with your with your daughter when she's five or six. But yeah. what are your goals for your daughter when she's so, five or six?
0: Well, that's the thing, right? Like, at, they start. How old did you get into gymnastic? What three, four, five years yeah, old? Yeah, three years old. And so, at what age? 'Cause I don't know. It, you know, the girls like that you have at Rutgers who are the basically out again outside of the Olympians are the elite of the elite at that level. Right. Um, can do they are you could you see it at three or four? That like, oh, she's pretty good, like let's 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 get going on this thing?
1: Not at three or four, but you probably could see some glimpses like just shy of ten probably.
0: So that age between the time that you I send my daughter because it's cool to gymnastics at three and ten like, I don't know what the goals are. I mean, if she likes doing it, I'm going to send her. And, you know, if she wants to be competitive. Like, when I was a kid, I liked to compete. Mm. So, uh, for me, anything my parents would send me, I would, like, yeah, let's go more. Let me do more of it. But, you know, uh, you know, how do I know if it's recreational or what? Because, like, if we're saying we have a seven-year gap of I don't know what the goal is, let the kid, if he likes it or she likes it, to keep him going in it, what do you do?
1: Yeah, I think probably there's probably a sweet spot in there. Where I think when you're five or six years old, you're not going every single day and you're not there for four, five hours. I think you need to be in the gym for maybe three hours at a time. Yeah. Definitely not five days a week. And also a huge part of it when you're that age is, is there, are they enjoying it? Are they having fun? Do the coaches make it fun for them? Because Gymnastics is a hard sport, and if the kid's not enjoying it and doesn't want to be there, they're not going to make it out, and they're going to re- resent the sport and possibly even whoever's ever putting them in that sport.
0: Yeah, and, and generally they'll be out of it before they can. Um, I remember the best, one of the best girls we had when we were at, at Rutgers, she was actually a walk-on, and uh, Alexis. And right. I remember with Alexis, she was not a high-level gymnast coming into Rutgers. And she was probably one of the lower lower recruited she wasn't recruited, she was a walk on. Right. And and I remember talking to Lou about it at the time and I was like, She's like a freak of nature. And he's like, What do you mean? I was like, She's actually she actually peaked as a senior gymnast, which again, usually you're just trying to hold on so they can get through their senior year.
1: Yeah. I mean Alexis definitely was an outlier. Usually one for Division One walk ons aren't usually making it to her caliber for everyone at home that's listening. Alexis was a walk-on that eventually she was, I don't know my facts straight, but she qualified to NCAA championships as an individual. And I don't know if she's the only one to ever do that at Rutgers or is one of the many few who has done that at Rutgers. Right,
0: right. And so um, I think, you know, you know, you asked me the question, which is a good question, but if, if you're, you're a parent, let's let's assume that we're just, like, want the best for our kids and aren't completely insane, like, how would you even know what to do with your kid? She's six years old, she likes it, she's pretty good, like, do we put her in, like, because there's different programs that, you know, they have the recreational program, and then they have, I don't know if it's called Elite, or whatever they call it, where it's pretty serious, you right.
1: know? Uh, yeah, um, those programs are, are, like, T.O.P.S. is one of them, and hopes there are all these, like, certain developmental areas that or age group specific that your child can get put into if they if their coaches are trying to push them to go that direction, which would eventually push them towards the elite world of gymnastics.
0: The problem with gymnastics for me is that if your child is good at gymnastics, when they're young, that's really the only thing that they're going to be able to do where it, it, unfortunately it's changing in other sports too. But you know, if I had a daughter who was nine and good at soccer, you know, there's still an opportunity that she could play basketball and might be able to play softball and still has opportunities to do other sports. But essentially now in 2019, if if I have a daughter that's nine and great at gymnastics, like she's not doing anything
1: else. Right. Yeah. That's something recently I've been thinking a lot about of a lot about because we've been talking about sports specialization. These You have these these student athletes that have only been playing one sport their whole entire life, like take gymnastics out of it for a minute you can have like a football player who's a lot of football players. They say like one of their best off season sports to play is wrestling. Sure. Um, you have soccer, basketball, field hockey, all of their movements, all of their motor patterns are kind of similar in a way with gymnastics. It's very different and you're not going to be getting so much cross training from some of those other field sports. So to say, I think you might be getting some certain of general athleticism and maybe some general workout, but I don't think that, the transition over is going to be so much similar. So what do you think?
0: Again, it's almost crazy for me to say it now. If we talked football, you know, a couple of years ago when Ohio State won the national championship, there was a stat, I think it was like, 39 of the 42 seniors on the team played another sport in high school or multi-sport athletes You'll laugh when I say this but if I said yeah Yeah, we're gonna start recruiting in gymnastics differently. We're gonna look for three sport athletes and one of the sports is gymnastics And she also plays softball in the spring and she plays field hockey in the fall You'd be like there's no shot that she has the skill level. So What do you think in a perfect world if you were king of gymnastics for a day? What would you do differently now starting at a youth level?
1: I think at that youth level, I think it's still okay to have a little cross training Yeah, more than one sport because the their bodies are so young and they're still developing and their body as a whole is going to learn so much from other sports. I mean, if we're at practice and we have a little extra time and we're, throwing a ball around or shooting some hoops yeah it's ugly some of the athleticism is just not there oh god and i'm just like what were you doing growing up and they're like i was a gymnast And i was like oh yeah right i forgot yeah like that's all you do yep so i think to an extent a little bit is going to help them but once they get to a certain age maybe ballpark 12 13 something on there it's not going to be so beneficial anymore.
0: Is there an argument to say that we talked about how they peak at 15, 16. Is there an argument to say that if they were multi-sport athletes or didn't train so much at seven, eight, nine, ten, 10 and pushed it back two or three years that maybe when they are 19 or 20, that they could actually peak as a gymnast.
1: I think you're going to get a lot of different answers from who you ask. If you ask me, I'm going to agree with you a hundred percent. Definitely. Yeah. Cause this, the sport six, ex- Takes such a such a toll on the human body that if you could limit some of that in the beginning when they're young and their muscles are still growing, their bones are still growing, definitely. Because
0: so there's almost um, in in college, other than maybe a little bit of experience, but you know, if you're a high level gymnast at an elite level before college, you're competing in pressurized environments. So there's almost no advantage to being an upperclassman as a collegiate gymnast versus every other sport like for the most part when you're a junior senior there's an there's a distinct advantage to having that experience and having extra time in the system and working out and doing that in college it's almost like throw her out there as a freshman like she's going to probably be the best she might be the best she's ever going to be which is completely foreign yeah i mean
1: if you look at this the the results from the most couple few most recent NCAA championships i think some of the freshmen make the he- the biggest splash at that ch- at that competition. I mean, right. they're always right in there when the top all around on the top teams. They're helping right. out the most.
0: Right. Um, I think hopefully we get some local people to listen to this podcast, and you and I talk about this all the time. I think that, first of all, collegiate gymnastics meets are actually a lot of fun to go to. They're very fast-paced. The minimum amount of people teams is two, meaning you always have two events going on at once, but a lot of these meets have four. And so you have beam, floor, (laughs) bars, and vault all going on. I mean, it is action-packed. It is fast-paced. And you guys have done a good job of keeping the meets entertaining. And I think it's – to me, like if I had daughters right now that were young, like I would go to every home meet at Rutgers. I mean, you guys – I I hope you guys continue to push it so that you get more – uh, more people to to come to your meets now. yeah
1: i mean thank you i appreciate that yeah for everyone listening at home our season starts january 2020 we go from january until end of march beginning of april we'll have four to five home meets come out to the rack yeah. support yeah. If you yeah. can. we'd really appreciate it trust me if you've never been in a gymnastics competition you won't regret coming to your first one
0: it, it is it is truly is a lot of fun it's how long is generally the a meet take it's not long
1: no it's not long that's the good thing about it from when we start to when we end we can really get you in and out in two hours two hours
0: yeah and there's not a lot of downtime only on the transitions from one thing to the next but for the most part i mean there's
1: some transition from one to the next but that's when our girls are just like what we call one touching their event because they haven't been on the uh, that event for so long yeah that they're given a little opportunity to warm up that event again but even during that warm up time some of your little boys and girls are going to enjoy just watching warm up
0: yeah and um I think, uh, well, Utah. They it's yeah. crazy. Utah has the highest attended women, collegiate women's sport in the country. They get fifteen thousand people at their
1: meets. Utah consistently sells out their arena, and I don't even think their basketball team comes close to selling no, out. No, there's arena. actually
0: Utah gymnastics. I think is higher attendance than UConn women's basketball, which no one would know. Right, right? and so they are, and and they're actually on ESPN now. They're starting to show more. It's more gymnastics so it is it is becoming a little bit more popular
1: yeah ESPN uh, is picking it up we've kind of changed some of our formatting some of our post-season, f- post-season formatting so it's a little bit easier for the average fan to watch on ESPN yeah. so we're trying to ride that wave a little bit here a
0: couple advantages to college versus Olympic level uh college is scored out of 10 and right. everyone knows a perfect 10 right and so it's in I I'm, for me, just because I've been around you guys, I understand gymnastics more than the average fan. I don't understand the Olympic scoring at all. Right, I don't, it doesn't make sense. College is still out of ten, which is really, which is nice. It's easier to to view, um, and obviously there's the four events. Um, that you're competing in and, and for the most part the kind of the flagship is always the floor right that's the most exciting the home team does floor last yep. they have the music playing yep. and the other part I will say if you haven't ever seen a collegiate gymnastics meet versus Olympics they usually the girls tend to pick popular music so you'll yeah. get like music that you actually know versus like the classic like Olympic music which is like I don't know what it is so. yeah if you
1: go to a college meet it's almost like a today's it's like a it's concert kinda, yeah yeah it's, there, it's a lot of energy. It's a lot of fun. Like, trust me, come out. You will not be disappointed. Yes. And hopefully
0: we'll be competing uh, with some of these bigger schools quickly. But, I mean, the Big Ten has teams like
1: Michigan, teams like who, who else is really good? Penn State. Penn State. Nebraska. University of Minnesota.
0: Yeah. So some really top 5, 10, 15 teams in the country. Um, and that's the goal for Rutgers to be in in the next couple years. And you guys had a much better year last year yeah
1: we had a as our first year we had a great year i mean some of the highlights we beat penn state for the first time in program history at home at the rack nice. uh, it was a nighttime meet it was huge amounts of energy I think, right on the it was, out, it was televised on the btn big 10 network so that was probably one of the biggest highlights of our year
0: right yeah that's 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 big time because they're ranked pretty highly yeah uh, we had
1: one one student athlete bell huang she qualified to postseason. She was a tiebreaker away from qualifying to NCAA championships, so that was huge for us. And then we're bringing in a very talented freshman class, which we're hoping to build on for the future.
0: Cool. So it's looking up, and, and maybe the biggest news, we have a, are you guys going to be in the new facility in the fall?
1: We should be in the new facility come the end of August.
0: So I remember when we were there one time, uh, when I was there, we practiced in Livingston, which is basically the rec center. So right. the fact that anybody came to Rutgers, the fact that the girls practiced in the rec center was amazing. Um, not ideal. It was like not at all, not no. ideal at all. So you know, the, again, you didn't have we didn't have a locker
1: room there. No, there no, was no locker room. To be honest, no training room. No nothing. no, nothing.
0: And now the new facility should be opening in the fall, so that should be really exciting and really helpful for the team. And you guys have a practice facility within the new facility, right? Correct.
1: Yeah, cool. the whole building. For us as a program and for the university as a whole, keyword. but it's a total game changer. It yeah. changes every single thing that we're all going to do. Good. Gymnastics will be in there. Wrestling, who has a huge year, is going to yep. be in there. Men's and women's basketball will be in there. Yep. So we can't wait for it to be finished. Awesome.
0: Mike, um, where can people reach out to you or find you? Anywhere?
1: Um, um, if you're looking for me, i would first go to our like ruckers gymnastics um what is it social medias it's should be just ruckers gymnastics would be the easiest way to find it on all three main twitter instagram facebook social media platforms
0: yeah got it and guys out there again once the late fall early winter rolls around keep your eyes out for Rutgers home meets are you guys still i the fact that do you guys still not charge for this
1: so, there was a period when they were. This was when we were at Temple. And now, you stopped. And now they're stopped, and now they're free. Okay. So, even guys, more incentive for you to come. It's
0: free to go to these meets. And I keep saying they need to charge for it. But literally, if you're looking for something to do with your kids or whatever, it's totally free of no excuse. Definitely this winter, come check out Rutgers Gymnastics and let's see if they can have an even better year than they had last time. Mike, thank you so much.
1: Justin, appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for tuning
0: in to the Stay Healthy New Jersey podcast, brought to you by Strive to Move. If your pain or injury is preventing you from living the healthy and active lifestyle you love and deserve, and want to get back to doing what you love pain-free, we offer both a free ebook and free over-the-phone consultation to help you figure out the root cause of your pain and the best next steps to help resolve it. Find our ebooks online at StriveToMove.com/slash/our-services there you'll find an ebook for topics on such things as back pain, knee pain, sports injuries and crossfit injuries. These ebooks will provide you with free expert advice, tips and exercises to help solve your pain from the comfort of your own home. Just visit strivetomovecom services to download your ebook and have it delivered directly to your inbox. We also offer free, no-obligation phone consults with a doctor on staff to New Jersey residents. Just call us at 908-547-0729 or visit us at strivetomove.com and click the Talk to the Doctor First button on the homepage to schedule a call with us. Thanks again for joining us and we will see you next time on the Stay Healthy New Jersey podcast.